Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com. Website creation is hard. But now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and get a unique WordPress website or store right away. From there, you can customize your design, colors, and content. And Bluehost automatically helps you get found in search engines like Google and Bing. From step-by-step guidance to suggested plugins, Bluehost makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Go to bluehost.com slash wondersuite. Welcome to Future Proof, the marketing podcast from Said Business School, University of Oxford, and Kantar, the marketing insights and consulting company. In each episode, we'll have a frank discussion with industry experts to help brands and business leaders navigate the changing landscape of marketing and hopefully dispel some myths and misconceptions along the way. I'm Julie Coleman, Chief Research Officer for Cantor. I'm Andrew Stephen, the L'Oreal Professor of Marketing and Associate Dean of Research at the Said Business School. Okay, so on today's podcast, we're going to talk about trust in a brand and what does that actually mean in today's day and age. And our guest today is Charlie Hisco, who I had the privilege and pleasure of working with um, at SAB Miller. He was our head of communications for 13 years, prior to that with um, several of the different WPP agencies, so has a long and distinguished career in branding and and communications. Um, Interestingly, most recently, he's taken a year out to kind of get a sense of perspective on the world and his career and on life. And actually, I think um, in the conversations we've had since we've um, reconnected, I think he's gotten an interesting, he's, he's developed an interesting perspective on branding and communications and what their role is in the world today. So we're very pleased to have Charlie with us. So the context for today's discussion is around this issue of, of brand trust. And I think what started us thinking about this is the fact that brand trust as a concept seems to have been completely conflated with data privacy issues, um, brands that are allowing their data to be used in ways that consumers didn't actually realize were going to be used. All of those issues around uh, around those data privacy and, and data breaches, and yet, you know, in my view, brand trust means a lot more than just data breaches, data privacy, and are you protecting my data? You know, if I think about the reason I trust the brand Dove, it's not because they've never released my data to someone; it's because they deliver for me, and I I agree with what they stand for, and I believe in the brand, and what it offers to the world, and what it offers to me. Mm-hmm. So we wanted to explore that idea a little bit more today. Perfect. Yeah, I think I think the the idea here is to think about how to build trust and create it, as opposed to yeah these sort of more negative ways of thinking about the destruction of brand trust. Because yes, you can have data breaches or inappropriate uses of of uh, consumer data, what, whatever it might be, uh, and indeed that that in, you know can destroy trust in a brand and 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 or confuse consumers and and, and make them insecure and, and uncertain. Um, but on the more positive side here, if you're growing a brand, if you're building a brand, whether it's a new brand or, or a mature brand, I think we should explore this notion of brand trust um, in, in that light. I'm very happy to, very happy to do that because, I mean, I think, I think it is a really interesting time to be in the brand business. And, you know, there's no doubt that there are a number of things that are challenging 
what were kind of long-established rules or orthodoxies around what it took to build a brand. You know, the, 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 the techniques that you would use, what indeed is a realistic sort of expectation in terms of the life cycle of a brand and so on and so on. But I think somehow in the midst of that, there is still this fundamental quality of what great brand building is, which actually is as true today as it was 20 years ago and as it will be in 20 years' time. I think the context is changing substantially, but I think that the responsibility that a brand owner, brand nurturer, brand builder has to bring is probably the same as it always was. And I know it can be a bit sort of unsettling if you look and you see around you that there's these people doing, you know, somebody who's just come up with a bit of funky packaging or a kind of fake art, <laughs> fake artisanal sounding name. You know, all of a sudden, you know, they appear to be the cool kid on the block. And they can go from being very small to being really quite big quite quickly and you're looking at it and kind of going but it's crap it's not yeah. true so, so you're saying hipster branding is not necessarily well, you know it's it it has its role but it does make you question for sure the model you know mm -hmm. is what do i do you know if i if if i am a brand owner or you know an existing or an aspiring brand owner you know and i used to put huge value on my on my balance sheet on the intangible value of this thing mm -hmm. you know actually is it valuable anymore? And what do I need to do to try and ensure that it maintains its value? And actually, I, I think the answer to that um, actually goes back to something Jules mentioned. I worked in WPP companies on a few occasions. At JWT, I had a very wise boss called Nick Burstyn. And Nick said something which has always stuck with me, which is the difference between the only difference between advocacy and truth is time. And i.e. the truth will always out. Mm -hmm. And I believe that. I believed it then, I believe it now. And I think if you hold to that, then actually it then takes me to what I think brands are about, which is I think a brand is and must be a promise. It's effectively saying if you choose me, then this is truly what you will get, it, You know, whether it's the product or it's a service uh, or it's a set of values. And it's also um, someone that you can call up if things go wrong. And I think that's what a brand is, it's a, it's a promise. And I think it was probably always that, way back at, at the very beginning of what became sort of branded consumer goods, um, you know, Lifebuoy soap or mm -hmm. Signal toothpaste yeah. or whatever. These were products that existed for the first time in mass distribution, but with a guarantee of a certain product quality. You knew if you bought that, you were always going to get the same quality. Now, those concerns are less nowadays, I think, than they were then, because manufacturing was probably rather more random, et cetera, et cetera. <laughs> but the principle was it was a, a brand represented accountability, a promise and accountability. And I believe that is true today, and I believe it'll be true tomorrow, and I believe it'll be true you know, in 10 years' time. And I think if you think about your responsibility as a brand builder, as a brand guardian, then actually, and you think of it through that lens, I think it increases the likelihood that you'll do the right thing. Even back, you know, decades ago when I started off in the business, you know, product quality and the and delivers the same quality every time was yep. absolutely the number one driver of preference and trust. Yep. Yep. So if we've moved beyond the product itself delivering or yep. the service itself delivering, then what is that more intangible aspect of a brand's promise oh, that marketers need to focus on? And I feel kind of conflicted on this because 
Well, as, as you will know, Jules, when we were in SAB Miller, I was drinking from the fountain of brand purpose and still mm -hmm. to an extent do. I mean, I think there was a lot that was good about that. And it was to do with, you know, the, the bigger promise of what you would stood for. But there is a load of guff that's being spoken <laughs> around brand purpose. Everybody going out there and, and pitching some kind of notion of saving the world and making the world a better place, mm. which, I mean, frankly, is fine on a kind of a workshop maybe. But I mean, in the real world, what does the consumer really want and expect? Now, I think you made a good point when you were referring to Dove and your experience of Dove at the beginning. What you would like about Dove is rooted in it works. It's a product that delivers. But over and above that, you also like what it stands for. Exactly. Mm -hmm. And I think, again, that notion of the, uh, the purpose of Dove as being something in the area of campaigning for real beauty, simple real beauty, to me sits in at about the right level because it is credible mm -hmm. and rooted in product truth, but it's got a, a dimension to it which is also kind of somewhat more broad, emotional, and, and frankly probably makes the people at Dove feel good when they get up and go to work, which is a good mm -hmm. thing anyway. I think there is a, absolutely, there's a whole lot of stuff around it's, you know, you know uh, do I buy your values as well as buy, do I buy your, your product? You mustn't mix up the, or lose sight of the fundamental importance of get that first bit right, because the, the rest of it is just... It's the foundation. Yeah. If you, you, you will lose first on that and win last on that yeah. so, so we were talking about the sort of I, I think the tragedy actually of what what TSB has undergone recently and again you know TSB being a kind of a, a UK bank who have done a really good job in seeking to provide an alternative to the kind of the the big four players and have set themselves up as being very genuinely customer focused speaking in simple language and they took a very clear position of saying, we, this is our promise. We are going to be approachable, straightforward, down-to-earth banking. And, um, and they were making a lot of progress on that promise. And then because uh, they had been acquired by a big Spanish bank who then wanted to do a huge IT changeover and implementation, the whole system fell over and they ended up you know, headline news with understandably furious customers saying, we can't get into our bank accounts, da 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 and, and, you know, and I ache for them because actually the thing that undid their trust was that they, was that the foundation, i.e. just providing good, simple, accessible banking, fell apart, went wrong. Not necessarily no. entirely at their responsibility. I think the parent company kind of probably cornered them and a, a wrong decision was made. There used to be a thing which said the USP is no longer relevant because it can be copied tomorrow by anybody. I think that's a dangerous thought. I think if, you know, so it all you say it's all about emotional, you know, ESP, your emotional point mm -hmm. of difference. Actually, the answer is it's both and it's always been about both. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase.
Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com. Website creation is hard, but now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and get a unique WordPress website or store right away. From there, you can customize your design, colors, and content. And Bluehost automatically helps you get found in search engines like Google and Bing. From step-by-step guidance to suggested plugins, Bluehost makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Go to bluehost.com slash wondersuite. And they have to be connected. And I think that this is an important point, is that it lives in the hearts and minds of the customer. Yes. Right, so so it's in the eye of that beholder. Yes, um, and so with TSB, for instance, when things go wrong, that's bringing into question or into doubt the sort of the bedrock or the foundation of, of you know how the brand is being built. Yeah. Right, so you're trusting them for something, and if that goes away, then you need to take responsibility for it. You need to address that. Yeah. And then maybe you can build that back up, yep. and, and that might take time, and, and there are all sorts of things around brand crises that, that I think are fairly well understood, but taking responsibility yep. and rebuilding that trust I agree has to be part of what the, the brand is essentially founded on. Yep. So, yeah. so it, it actually gets into, I think, you know, managing the customer expectation and making sure that most of the time you're doing the best mm. you possibly can do, but, but the reality is... Uh, at the coal phase, things are going to go wrong. Yep. So maybe not massive things in, yep. in, in, in sort of that example, but in any complex service delivery, for example, there's going to be failures. There's going to be mistakes. There's going to be that one person who, you know, works for you that is having a bad day. Yep. And are letting the team down. And but it, so those, those sort of breakpoints are, are going to always be there. I, I agree completely. You know, as long as everybody is clear on what is the mm-hmm. fundamental promise that we make. And recognize that if something goes wrong, you haven't lived up to it, then as you say, be accountable, be open about that. I remember another hero in WPP, Rory Sutherland, when we were working on the boots business at JWT, he said, sometimes when you screw it up, actually it is an opportunity to not only move mm-hmm. it from it's a problem to back to neutral, Actually, if you deal with the problem in the right way, you can move from it was a problem to uh, I'm a super fan because you did it in exactly the right way. As long as everybody understands what the promise is that you make in a way that is clear enough to enable you to assess, you know, in any situation, are we living the promise? Has that broken the promise? If you understand that, Mm -hmm. then you can be accountable for it and be honest about it. To have what you're talking about there, I think you also need to trust your people to, yes, you to deliver on this yes. and you've got to give them that that uh, that flexibility that latitude and and so the example yeah. I, I that springs to mind for for me is Metro Bank in the UK sort of another you know newer entrant to, yeah, yeah. to the retail banking I've market that's yeah. all about excellent customer service yeah. you know their their founder and chairman is a an American by the name of Vernon Hill who sort of is, has a very very simple business model which is simply saying we want to win fans not customers uh, we want to deliver on this brand promise, which is essentially convenience, and we're friendly, you know, to the point where I th- he and his wife are dog lovers. So, you know, if you take your dog into the bank, you can take the dog in, and they'll give the dog some water or a dog <laughs> biscuit or something. So, there's a you know an interesting quirk perhaps there, but but the idea is to say that we're not like the other guys on the high street yeah. in terms of retail banking, but they have to deliver on that. Instead of learning more about that company and, and talking to people there and seeing kind of the behind the scenes you know, service values and here is, you know, here's our mission and things like that. It's, you know, in, in a positive way, almost like a bit of a cult 
It's sort of saying we yeah. we stand for these things and we're absolutely and passionate what, about and, it. And I just say, deliver. I was just saying, and actually, what happens when you have that clarity of purpose or promise mm-hmm. or what, whatever the right language is? Let's stick with promise because I think it helps. Yep. But if you have that clarity of what is the promise that we are making, and everybody who's involved in the organisation understands that mm-hmm. and frankly signs up for that. Then all of a sudden, you also get the, the other issue that we talked about, which is in a world in which you know younger people t- might be moving through jobs fairly quickly. You, in places like that, they stay, yeah, and they tell their friends, and all of these other things come spinning off it. There's an aspect of this that we're starting to see more and more in the research that we've done, and you know both within the futures company and the work that they're doing around where the world is going and how the world is changing, as well as in some deep dive qualitative we've done around what does tra- what does brand trust mean to consumers and what are the behaviors that a brand, yeah. or what does a, ha- a brand have to do to build my trust? And the theme that's coming through, and actually your Metro Bank example personifies it, which is going to be a pun in a moment, which is that <laughs> um, people are really starting to relate to brands as people. They're talking more and more about brands as people. And if you think about the mm. aspects of trust that they identified in the research that we did, the number one is be human. Yeah. Um, you know, another one is to own your mistakes. Another is to treat me as an equal. I mean, these are all human qualities. It's very similar to say if you've got, you know, if you've got a friend who's made you a promise, you expect them to keep that promise. I, I think I think that's exactly right. Mm-hmm. Actually, I guess it's possible to like someone even though you may not fully trust them. But it's pretty difficult if you really trust someone not to like them. Right. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And I mean, I still think of, you know, my best mate from school. If I was really, really in a corner on anything, if there was, you know, the one and you get one phone call, yeah. he's the guy I drink and I know he would be there. And again, we do all that stuff about, you know, so what's the brand personality? Oh, it's George Clooney or it's, you know, David Beckham. <laughs> oh, it's only. It, it, well, yes, it, yeah, it, yeah. Actually, what I love about your story of Metro Bank is the brand is the chairman. Mm-hmm. It's the, the person who had the vision that's creating it. So you're not sticking a personality exactly. onto and something. The personality is the personality. Yeah. So isn't that the same point? Isn't that what we see with craft beers and artisanal products where basically they are projecting the founder's personality and ethos onto the product? And so I think that's why those brands are able to build trust as quickly as they are able to build trust because you feel like you're trusting a person, not a company or not a brand, you're, you're, you're putting your trust in your relationship up to another person. Well, so a very personal story that supports that point is my son, Ollie, who's uh, 26. Ollie has just launched a brand of um, snack pouch olives called Ollie's Olives. <laughs> and it is exactly that point. It is Ollie's yep. Olives. You go on the website, it's Ollie. This, this instinct towards kind of artisanal brands and the kind of the sense of made by human beings that they all, you know that they embody to an extent i think it's also a kind of a rea- a reaction against whether it's true or whether it's not a, but a perception that in many cases a lot of the big corporates actually are not really focused on the needs of their customers their consumers they're not personal they're kind of you know they're focused on the city or investment or that sort of stuff rather than being kind of real people who are really focused on the needs and wants of the people they're trying to serve. Now, actually, I actually think that perception may be substantially inaccurate because actually the truth of the matter is in in many of the big corporates, they have the lo- the most to lose if they screw up and if the things go wrong. But you have to deal with perception. Interestingly, Ryanair had 
who went through a meltdown in last summer, I think, where they had all kinds of issues to do with pilot numbers and had to cancel loads of flights. People were stranded. It was all over the press and everything else. They just posted a 7% increase in profits, I think it was. Now, actually, the reason I think is that Ryanair sticks to its promise. And its promise is not, I'm going to love you and we're going to be... It's just, you know, get you from A to B cheap. Now, all right, for a period of time, they failed to get you from A to B. That was a fairly <laughs> fundamental thing. But the point is the expectation, the clarity of what they have, what their promise is, is a different kind of promise. Yep. I think there's no doubt that the, the human dimension, uh, and it was, you said it, it came up in your research, and uh, uh, you know, I can see that absolutely. I still think it comes back fundamentally to the clarity of the promise that you make and the style in which you deliver it, which is your, you know, I guess is your personality, which may or may not be an individual human being. Well, I think I think the be more human bit is broader than exactly that. It doesn't just have to be the person, the spokesperson, the CEO who, who flies around the world or something like that. I think it's acting in a human way. So that can be, you know, be, having empathy, yeah. um, being responsible, standing up for what you believe in. But I, I also think back to something we talked about earlier around setting the right level, carving out what you're good at, yeah. what your customers, so back to sort of a customer-focused approach, what they're going to care about and what they're saying they want and they would expect from you. And then just doing a, a damn good job of delivering that. And if you screw up, you screw up, but you explain it, you you make it better, and you keep on going. But but I think that's, that's the human bit. You make it sound beautifully clear. That's what it is. Doing mm-hmm. it. Day in, day out, there's challenges, right. but but so, so maybe I love that summary. The the idealistic academic talking, but um, <laughs> but I think we should think about this stuff in 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 simpler ways. I actually think distilling it down to the simplicity is maybe not going to get you all the way to the finish line, whatever that point is, but it's gonna gonna get you moving and, and set the right momentum in place. And then of course there's going to be you know the devil will be in the details. Yes. But I think if you, if you come at it from sort of an assumption that, oh, the world is a complex place, media channels are fragmented, consumers are fickle, all that sort of stuff, and approach this in kind of how we started this conversation, saying, well, we can think about brand trust from a negative destruction of brand trust kind of um, perspective, or we can think about this more optimistically and think about, well, how do we create this? How do we grow it? How do we nurture it? Uh, I think to, to, to start with that and to start somewhere, you've got to distill it to the to the simple parts yeah. uh, and then build on top of that. I think just picking back up on the point about the devil's in the details and the devil's in the how, I think the simple idea that is just make a promise and keep it is a fabulous guiding light and lighthouse for people to, to follow. But in this world, you know, me as a marketer, even as the chief marketing officer or the brand director or whatever on a brand, I don't have control over every interaction that my brand has with the people that I'm trying to serve. And so I don't have control over whether or not my brand keeps its promise because people could be, you know, somebody's having a bad day at work. So, so how, so what's, mm-hmm. what's your advice to brand owners um, and marketers? How do you steer the organization and get them to recognize the value of keeping the promise and do what you can to ensure that that happens? So again, I think it's a really hugely important and difficult thing, but at its heart, it is quite straightforward. The answer is, I think, you know, and again, we talked about Metro Bank, you could use Zappos, you could, there are many examples. If you know what it is that you're standing for and you recruit and you train and you reinforce continually, 
around this is our promise, you will create an environment in which the likelihood is that the interactions will be pointing in the right direction. I remember, linked to that, I remember years ago that my experience on Miller Genuine Draft when I went to Russia to go and sell a new idea to the Russian business for Miller Genuine Draft. And we were killing an idea called It's Miller Time and we were going for another one. And Ari, who ran the Russian business, said something to me which came back to haunt me many times. He said, never underestimate the power of an, of an idea so simple that everybody in the organization gets it. Miller Time is one of those. I don't think what you've bought us is. And he was absolutely right. And the thing with Miller Time was people understood it. It's like Peroni, Italian style applied to beer. People understand it. Whether you're in the sales team, whether you're in the call centers, whether you're the working in an agency, whether you're a bar owner, whether you're doing innovation, the, you know, our promise, and we didn't use the word promise, we used, but we talked, we used the word purpose, but I mean, actually, our promise was we're gonna bring Italian style into the world of beer. Well, actually, that's a pretty clear promise. And I think that, you said, Andrew, do, just the ability to simplify and distill into something very simple. So it's not a kind of a, a marketing consultant spreadsheet. It's just a really simple promise that everybody can get. So, I mean, we're marketers, of course, we think about marketing as everything, but, but not everyone in a business necessarily sees it that way. But I think if you have that very clear promise, that very clear idea, then there's a better chance that that will get embodied across the board. So really inter interesting discussion. Thank you so much, Charlie, for joining us today. As always, you've brought a beautifully simple way of thinking about what is an incredibly difficult and, well, seemingly difficult topic. But actually, you're right. It is just about make a promise and keep it. And I think it really does strike me quite strongly that if you, you know, if brands were to think of themselves more as you know, we talk about brands building relationships with consumers. Well, it is a relationship, and trust is the foundation of any relationship. So, you know, I think we've answered our question, which is, yes, trust is absolutely still important in the world today, and it is well beyond just what I do with your data online. You know, it has to go inside as well as outside, and actually these things have to, have to work together. So actually, a trusted brand that has a strong promise and a clear promise and a simple promise um, may well be that glue that... that holds it all together. You've been listening to Future Proof, the marketing podcast from Said Business School and Kantar. Find more episodes and related content at uk.kantar.com or at sbs.oxford.edu. Thank you.